Okay, we want to talk about um, the fact that we are loved and we are chosen. In July of 2007, which seems like a long time ago, I became uh, serious about Ralph Howe Ministries. And on July the 1st, we started this ministry that I now have when I travel. And I started using a new copy of a new version. Um, a new version to me, the English Standard Version. Um, it is now the battered and well-torn and well-worn friend that I still preach from. Although it's near retirement, as I now have its twin brother, so that the pages are the same and the place is the same in each of the books. But the first thing I read when I started this Bible in 2007, July the 1st, was the book of Ephesians. Don't go there. And in that book, Paul, who's the author, of course, and the apostle, tells us a lot about who we are as believers and what we have been given. So if you were to read it on your own, I'm reading, I'm going to give you the summary of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, which was the first thing I read back July the 1st, 2007, it tells us that there are six things that we are because we're believers. We are blessed. You won't be able to keep up with me. We are chosen. We are called. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. And we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then if you read the same verses, chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, you would find out that we have received wisdom, we've received insight, we have revelation, because it says he has made known to us the mysteries, we have an inheritance, we have the truth, and we have God's plan for us, because it says we have been predestined, and God has a plan for every person. But... And it's a big but. How we think of ourselves defeats all of that at times. How we relate to who we are, how we talk to ourselves, and how we talk about ourselves often defeats what the Bible says we have and often destroys what the Bible says we are. So often we believe ourselves, our own opinions of ourselves, and our own experiences over and above the Word of God. And the way we think, and the way we speak, and the way we behave are often far different than what God thinks about us and what God's Word says about us. So that means we are our own worst enemy. And we have what we call self-speak, and we end up putting ourselves down. We hear ourselves saying things like, I'm a loser, I failed a game, I'm ashamed of myself, I will never get it right, I screw up every relationship I have, I know better. We just talk to ourselves, but everything we say is contrary to what God says. And we end up defeating ourselves and beating ourselves up and disagreeing with God's word. Now, if you look at those three things, defeating ourselves, that's pretty bad. We beat ourselves up, that's just as bad. But I think the worst thing is that we actually disagree with God's word. We fail to see ourselves as God sees us. And so we live below our potential in him. Now, everybody 
here will tell you that beating yourself up is not helpful. But we do it anyways. And if you were to take my beat-up Bible and look in the margin, I wrote in Ephesians this saying, anything you won't say, you wouldn't say to someone else, stop saying to yourself. Anything that you wouldn't say to someone else. So you wouldn't go up to somebody and say, you're a total and utter failure. Well, then don't say it to yourself. So anything you wouldn't say to someone else, stop saying to yourself. And all of that came back to me recently because of a story that I heard and I met the lady and my continued reading of God's Word. So, again, let's look at the Word first and then I'll tell you the story. So Colossians chapter 3. And these are scriptures that have spoken very loudly in the last week and a half, two weeks. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. The word, the word chosen there can also be said to be called. It means you're handpicked, that God desired you and set you apart. And the word loved there, or beloved, it means that God unconditionally and totally loves you just as you are. I'm going to pause. One of the things we need to think about is God can love us unconditionally, but if we haven't received, embraced, and um, walk in that love, then it means nothing. We're not experiencing it. We can know it in our head and not experience it in our heart. So if we're still trying to earn God's love or earn someone's love, then we don't understand and we don't have the unconditional love of God. And that's one of the problems with Christians today. We're still trying to earn the love of God. So that means we really have never received the unconditional love that he talks about. Okay, so if you're reading the Passion Translation, it read, you are always and dearly loved by God, so robe yourself for virtues of God, since you have been divinely chosen. So we're talking about being loved and chosen. That's where it's coming from. Jude chapter 1. I asked you to mark your Bible there. Jude chapter 1. Pull the string. Second half of verse 1. To those who are called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Or if you're reading the Passion Version, I'm writing to the chosen ones who are wrapped in the love of the Father God, kept and guarded for Jesus the Messiah. So we're not only loved and chosen, but we're kept or guarded, defended, guided, surrounded by. So it seems to me that we have two choices that are placed before us every day. The first choice is to speak kindly to ourselves according to the Word of God. In other words, find out what God thinks about us, what God feels about us, what He's done for us, and who we are in Christ. In other words, find God's opinion of us and speak according to that. Or the second option is to speak out of our own opinion of ourselves, our own impression of ourselves, 
our limited perspective or our understanding based on life experience. So we can talk about ourselves in light of what God thinks and believes and sees, or, and it's often very different, we can talk about what we think, believe, and see and say about ourselves. I think I would rather talk about what God thinks, but we don't do that. God thinks and sees and says things far more accurately and correct than what we think or say. So here's the story, and it's a true story. The lady's name is Sophia. Sophia had lived through a, an autumn filled with heartbreak and loss. Her best friend moved away. The church that she attended fell apart and disassembled totally. And a work crisis demanded her attention for 12 hours a day, including weekends, which made her feel emotionally guilty since she was raising two young boys. So on January the 1st, when people make resolutions, Sophia decided to dust off her bathroom scale and survey the damage. Mm. She said, I'm a comfort food kind of person. When I feel stressed, food calms me down. I know it's not healthy, but sometimes you're just trying to get through the day. So she'd been avoiding the bathroom scale because she knew the numbers wouldn't be good. So she was especially surprised when her scale spit out three numbers in a combination she had never seen before. And it slapped her in the face. So she wrote these words in her diary, the journal. My bathroom scale has no compassion, no understanding, and no empathy for how difficult the fall has been. Now it's winter. Personally, I believe the scale should have given me a break. It could have taken a few pounds off knowing I had truly weathered a very difficult season and was already facing enormous guilt. But the scale was harsh. It said, you've got a lot of exercise and some much smaller meals in your immediate future. Oh, and forget about any pie or ice cream until at least Thanksgiving. Our brain is like Sophia's bathroom scale. It's cold, it's calculating, it's unfeeling, and it's unyielding. And we become our own worst enemy because we have all these toxic thoughts and words and we pour them into our daily life in a way that we should never, would never do to anybody else. You wouldn't say some of the things to someone else that you say to yourself. We should be more concerned about the thoughts and words we speak to ourselves than the words we speak to others. The numbers on your scale would be, I'm so weak, I'm so ashamed of myself, I never get anything right, I'm just a loser, it will never work out. So Sophia says in her journal, the other day I lashed out at my husband, but really I was just having a bad day. And then I let fly against one of my daughters for accidentally making a mess. And I went to bed thinking, Sophia, are you sure you're even a Christian? Those are the toxic words we all speak. And it doesn't solve the problem, it just makes it worse. So in the margin of my Bible, I wrote these words. You heard me say them. Anything you would say to, to someone else, anything you wouldn't say to someone else, stop saying to yourself. Maybe weight isn't your issue, it's not mine. But 
the reason this came to the head was in Southern California, I had an incident where I felt, and it's happened before, I felt inferior and unqualified. And it happens when I stand before a group of pastors, leaders, whatever you want to call them for titles. And in this case, they were from Iraq and Iran and Armenia. And I can hear myself saying, and I said it to myself as before it was my time to get up to teach, what do I have to offer that they might want? Why am I speaking to them? They should be feeding into my life. They've accomplished more in the kingdom than I will ever do. They have suffered more for the kingdom and they've given more of themselves in the kingdom. And that's when God drew, drew my attention to those two verses, supernaturally. I was not reading Colossians and I haven't read Jude in two years, I'm sure. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then Jude said, for those who are called beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus. So I sat there and I had to remind myself, and these are four little phrases you might want to write down. I had to remind myself of what God says about me. He says, I am chosen. I am loved. I am called. And I am kept. I am chosen. I'm loved, I'm called, and I'm kept. God hates it when others attack you and says things about you that aren't true. And I think God hates it even more when you attack yourself and say things about you that are not true. So I had to reach the point the day that I was to teach all these leaders that I realized that my hero is Jesus and not me. That's an important comment. Jesus has to be the hero of my life. When I expect myself to be what only Jesus can be, perfect, loving, infinitely wise, supremely strong, getting it always right, then I'm going to hate myself for falling so short every day. I don't measure up. I don't know who created the scale, but I don't measure up. When I accept that Jesus is my hero and that he'll always be my hero, and that his life and his grace are my only hope, then I spend more time thinking about him and less time thinking about me, and then the negative talk stops. We need to start seeing ourselves in light of him. He's the hero, we're not. And then when we begin to see ourselves in light of him, so who we are in Christ, an old topic, then you really begin to believe what he says about you. I am chosen, so I have a right to be here and speak in front of this group of pastors. I am loved, I am called to do this, and I am kept, protected, guided, directed. I don't have that down patch yet, by the way, um, especially when I'm struggling with things. I don't, if you have trouble in your life, I often think, of, how can you be so stupid? You've been this route before. Um, when you're working through temptations, you can beat yourself up. My favorite comment to myself is, being there, done that, bought the t-shirt, again! I know better. Don't do this ten times. I did it ten times. Don't do it an eleventh. And yet Jesus says that we'd always have trouble. So I don't know why we beat ourselves up when we get into trouble. 
Jesus said no temptation will happen to us that we can't handle with his grace, 1 Corinthians 10. So I don't know why we get all beat up when there's a temptation that we're having problems with. But if we're thinking we need to overcome it because we're our own hero, then we fail. But if we see Jesus as our hero, then the temptation is a means of getting more grace. The trouble, Jesus said you will always have trouble. You know, without all those life issues, the troubles and the temptations, you wouldn't be who you are. And you wouldn't have anything to give to somebody else. You wouldn't understand grace and mercy if you hadn't experienced it. Now that you've had trouble and tribulations and you've received grace and mercy, now you have an understanding of what you need to give to other people. So again, I have to remind myself, I'm chosen, I am loved, I am called, and I am kept. That's the foundation. You can build your life on that. So then, because of that, I realized I don't have to be perfect to be used by him. I don't have to deny my sin. I can confess it, just don't deny it. I can face my failures and experience grace and love. I can count on him to keep me, guard me, and protect me even when I'm stupid. I don't have to believe what others say about me. I don't have to defend myself. That one I knew a long time ago. Let the Lord fight your battles. And I certainly should not focus on all the times that I have failed. I should just simply be thankful that he forgives, he gives grace, he gives mercy, and he loves me unconditionally. So we have to concentrate on and focus on him as our hero and not on us. And therefore, we need to understand his version of us and stop looking at our version of us because they are two different things. So I was jotting all this down and several things came to mind. Um, when I was first saved, which seems like 40 some odd years ago, 46 years ago, there was a song that went around, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face. And the second verse, which we seldom hear anymore, is keep your eyes on Jesus. So now you're saved. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And if we do that, then we also need to say to ourselves over and over and over again, I am chosen, I am loved, I am called, and I am kept. I think if we do that, that will change our life. So we can obsess over people who wounded us, which would lead us to hate those people, or we can simply say, I am chosen, I am loved, I am called, I am kept. You can focus on how weak and stupid and natural and out of sync with God you are, or, which would mean you'd end up hating yourself, or you can say, I am chosen, I am loved, I am called, or I am kept. And I think if we would focus more on Jesus, it would be like taking a miracle drug that totally changes your life. So, I'm writing all this down, and this week, I hate it when God does something that shows me that I don't believe what I'm writing, or I'm not applying what I'm writing. Someone stated that they wanted to learn a lot more about apostles because this person has a calling to be an apostle. 
So I wrote back to them and asked them how I could help, you know, give you some book titles. Uh, you could travel with me. I would teach you one-on-one. -on -one. I could mentor you. I didn't say all those things. I just said, how can I help? They decided to purchase a course online from someone I have never heard of. So I went and looked at this person online. But while I was doing that, my self-talk was, so after three years of working with them, after three years of working for them and not always getting well paid for doing any of it, in fact, not even covering expenses, all of a sudden I'm chopped liver. I'm a nothing. And my thinking went on. Guess I am a nothing, a nobody. I'm feeling sorry for myself. Or I'm not smart enough for this new season in this other person's life. That was a feeling of rejection. Or see, they don't believe in you or appreciate you. That's a self-image issue. Or so I helped you and now you don't need me. And that's like a failure feeling. Uh, that, those all may be a reality. I don't know. But if I focus on Jesus and think about what he thinks of me, then I can say, oh, that's okay. Hey, I'm chosen, I'm loved, I'm called, and I'm kept. You may not like me, you may not want me, you may reject me, you may think I'm an idiot, but I'm chosen, and I am loved, and I am called, and I am kept. And I think we need to be doing that more often. We're forming a self-image based on our self-talk and things that come at us instead of forming our self-image and just knowing who we are from the inside where Jesus lives. So I was reading Colossians. And let me just give you some of the things I wrote down. And you're not going to keep up with me, so don't write them down. When you read Colossians, you can stop thinking about how stupid or how weak you are because the whole book of Colossians is focusing on Jesus. So here's what it says, and I won't give you any of the references. I'm starting in chapter 1, and I'm going to chapter 3. It tells us about Jesus' grace, that Jesus is the source of all wisdom and all understanding, that Jesus has might and power that he wants to share with us, that God rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light that in Jesus all things were created, and that in Jesus he was before all things, and that in him all things hold together, that in everything Jesus has supremacy, that through Jesus God reconciled us to himself to present us holy without blemish, free from accusation, even self-accusations, that we are to delight that in Christ we are hidden, and in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge exist, that in Christ God has made us alive. Paul said, lest I despair, I hold on to the fact that God forgave all of my sins, disarmed the powers and authorities of the world, and testifies that he chose us and loves us dearly, that Jesus is our peace, that God is our Father. It just goes on and on, but we have to focus on Jesus and usually when we read scripture, we're focusing on us. So I read that this week, and that is substantial and amazing. And it's all from one short book of the Bible. And there's a whole hundreds of other pages in the Bible, all of which are telling us what God thinks of us. 
So we need to keep our eyes, physically and spiritual eyes, on what the Bible states about who we are and what it says we have in Christ. And then our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions need to hear more of God's word. So here's another phrase you can write down. Don't dwell on where you fail. Dwell on where God exceeds, excels, sorry. Don't dwell on where you fail. Dwell on where Christ excels. And I'll tell you where that phrase comes from. Paul says, when I'm weak, he is strong. And that his strength is greater than our weakness. So don't dwell on where you fail. Dwell on where Christ excels. So if we just spend some more time thinking about Jesus, meditating on Jesus, that becomes more like breathing pure oxygen instead of breathing the polluted air that we're breathing when we talk about ourselves. So going back to Sophia, get off the bathroom scales and stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the purity, the sufficiency of Jesus himself. You know, God chose us. I wouldn't have chose me, but God chose us. And God loves us, dearly loves us, and he's keeping us, protecting us, guiding us, directing us. And it shouldn't matter what other people think. So I wrote in my new Bible, what do I care if the rest of the world rejects me when the most brilliant being alive, God himself, not only chooses me, but loves me totally? So what difference does it make what other people think? So God says, I chose you and will keep choosing you. And God says, I'm passionately pursuing you. Isn't that amazing? So we need to live life out of that affirmation instead of living life out of the sewer that we live it out of most times. So Sophia, by the way, lost 10 pounds by May, gained back five over a difficult summer. And she realized that feeling bad about herself and speaking negatively to herself didn't help, didn't please God. So she began to speak some of the things I've just been sharing with you. She began to realize that God loves her five pounds more, five pounds less. God loves her. And that that was enough for Sophia. And so she stopped beating herself up and began to make some changes. That's my message. We need to have the compassion, the kindness, the gentleness, and the patience with ourselves that God has with us and that he wants us to have with everybody else. If that's how God wants us to treat others, that's how he wants us to treat ourselves. We should be compassionate to ourselves, kind to ourselves, gentle with ourselves, and patient with ourselves. And that only happens when Jesus is our, our hero and we stop focusing on ourselves. So, so two things, who we are as Christians and what have we received and continue to receive from him. So I'm going to repeat those. Who we are as Christians is we are blessed, chosen, called, redeemed, forgiven, and sealed. And what we have received is wisdom, insight, revelation, an inheritance, the truth, 
and God's plan for us. And if we would just focus on those things, instead of all the failures, we might just get out of our issues and into the plan of God for our lives. And our focus would stop being us, and it would become him. And that makes life a whole lot easier. It really does.